So, we're starting a new series today. Starting a six-week series. I want to tell you something, uh, and this is in the works right now. We've got a six-week series coming up. And after the six-week series, we're going to do something totally different, totally radical, and I'm excited for this. I haven't done this before. And, you know, everything that, that we do in a church plant, that's why I love uh, church planting, is it's experimental. And you get to operate by faith and just kind of see what God does with these things. So I'm going to do uh, something I haven't done before in the years of church planting here. Um, after this series is up, we're going to um, we're going to go through the book of Joshua, the entire book, and it's going to take about six months to go through this. And um, we're really going to dive into, um, as a church, going through this fabulous book of, of leadership, of power, and faith, and God using us, and, and, and being conquerors, and, and Joshua just being a mover and shaker. And I believe that God uses ordinary men and women, and that's us, to do extraordinary things. And I think that this is going to be a fabulous time. So that's just kind of a precursor. I didn't tell the first service, so, um, you know, well, I guess you can tell them. Go ahead. We're going to do that together in the future. So six weeks now, uh, we're going to talk about things in our life that we need to deal with. And so the, the, the title of this, this message, well, the sermon series is Deal With It. How many of you know there's things that we need to deal with in our lives? One of the things that we need to deal with in our lives is our human emotions. How many of you are human? Right? How many of you are robots? Because I think that I'm seeing robots right now. No, we're all human, Right? And that means we have human emotions, and sometimes the human emotions get the best of us. How many of you have just let those emotions just fly, right? Every youth pastor that I know, um, when they're driving the church van, they do a, a brake check. Not to really check the brakes, to make sure every student is wearing their seatbelt, right? Brake check. Make sure you're wearing a seatbelt. So we're having a brake check today. We're going to talk about human emotions and making sure that we have the seat belt to keep us strapped in. That's the Spirit of God strapping us in so that we don't go flying out of control and cause damage and wreak havoc in relationships that we have or in ourselves, correct? Because how many of us know that, man, our, our emotions just get the best of us sometimes? And it's not good. And we may spout out and feel good at that moment, but after that, boy, it, it, it just it, it wrecks us, you know? And there are human emotions that we're going to go through it's not exhaustive, but we're going to talk about stress. We're going to talk about fear and worry. Uh, we're, we're going to talk about um, the rainy days and Monday blues, right? Just kind of uh, wrestling with some of these emotions that, that kind of stir in all of us. And how do we do this? I mean, we're, we're here, you and I here, we're humans. We have these natural emotions and yet we're here today to tap into something that is outside of our emotion. We're ta tapping into the heart of God, which is spiritual. So it's outside of the natural. It's a supernatural event and experience and journey that we're all on. And sometimes we have to bypass those human emotions that we have and go straight to the heart of God, to the mind of Christ, and operate out of his character and his nature and not ours. That can be a very difficult, complicated thing for us to do because let's face it, we typically, as humans, do what we feel. We follow and we pursue what we want. And that's just dangerous. And we live in a culture that is uh, what they call postmodernism. And it's basically your truth to you is truth to you based on what you feel is right or what makes you feel good. If that's good for you, then that's what's true for you. If this feels good for me, then that's what's true for me. And that's completely 
false. We don't even see that in the natural world. We don't say that about gravity. Right? We don't look at the scale and say, well, that's true for you, but, you know, <laughs> those pounds don't really mean anything in here. But, uh, you know, there, we, we, we need to get our human emotions in check. So we're going to deal with it. I never, I shouldn't say never. You know, I'll say, I never want to just talk about stuff that's easy to talk about, okay? Because there's some, there, there's some difficult things and passages in God's word that, that, that are difficult because they challenge us. And, and I feel that my job is to bring out a challenge in us that motivates us and, and challenges us to grow. If we're not growing, then something's wrong, right? And when we're not growing, what happens? There's an emotion that begins to happen, and it's boredom. And Christianity, following Christ, is not boring. The reason why following Christ becomes boring is because we stop willing to be challenged. So when you're living a, a challenge out in your own life, you're going to find that excitement. You're going to find that excitement. So deal with it. I was, uh, <clears throat> I used to do concrete and construction. It's kind of my background. I love working with my hands. I like building. I like seeing the progress of something that is being laid, like the foundation, or before the foundation is the footings, and before the footings is the, is the gravel and the, the dirt work, and, and then you, you have the walls and the, and the roof, and you've got the shingles and the exterior and windows. I mean, it, it just all kind of comes together. In my mind, my mind just works that way kind of in puzzles. Well, a friend of mine was needing some concrete done, and I was done with concrete. I, I, I wasn't, I'd moved out of that, but I still help people on the side. And I'm actually one of those weird people that like doing concrete. It's tough work, but it's also, there's some um, beauty to it. You, there's some art that kind of goes into it. You've got you to have an eye for it. And my buddy needed some help. I said, hey, you do the dirt work. You do the grading. You do the forms. I'll come up and just do the fun part and pour, pour concrete, which is kind of an oxymoron. Most people don't use the word fun and pouring concrete together because <laughs> it's a lot of work. But... He, he, so he, he went up there, and, or he, he was there, and he got, he rented this skid loader from the rental company, and they were working on it, and, and it broke down, and it wasn't working right, and so they returned it, and they told him the problem, and said, hey, we've got a concrete cup, truck coming tomorrow, we've got to do all this grading, we've got to get things uh, done now, and this thing uh, broke down, I can't even use it, I need a refund, so I can go somewhere else, and the guy said, uh, I'm sorry, I'm not going to give you a refund. And he was just almost irate, right? I mean, this is like, no, you don't understand. This is happening. People come in. This is already in the works. And he just simply looked at him and says, well, deal with it. That's what the guy of the, of the, of the rental company said to my friend. I'm going to, he's nameless, not to me, but to you. Okay, just to protect him. And, and he said, deal with it. You want me to deal with it? I'll tell you how I'm going to deal with it. Every time, and it's funny because we say deal with it because that's how he communicates. He said, you want me to deal with this? I'm going to deal with it. Every time this comes up in conversation that dirt work needs to be done or a rental company needs to be in, I'm going to make sure nobody goes to this rental company. I'm going to make sure that every time your name comes up, I'm going to tell people what terrible business that you have. That's how I'm going to deal with it. I'm going to make sure everybody I know never comes to this rental company. That's how I'm going to deal with it. And he's telling me this, and he's just upset. And I said, oh, really? So what's the rental company? And he kind of looked at me, he's like, uh, I, I forgot. <laughs> and, 
you know, he just had forget looking for that business card. But, um, you know, dealing with it. Sometimes we need to deal with things. And so today we're going to deal with it. And the human emotion that we're going to deal with today is this, a bad attitude. Wow. Oh, no. Some of us are shaking our heads. Yes. Some of us are like, oh, please, no. Let's just let me see if I can sneak out of here. <laughs> but a bad attitude. How many of us have found ourselves in that just area of life? We just had a bad attitude. We don't want to. We don't want to admit it. But, you know, today we're going to deal with it. Having a bad attitude. And I must admit, there's some people that I just don't think have ever had a bad attitude in their life before. You know, like Joni and Freddie Vargas. I just can't I just can't see them flipping their lid, you know. But most of us have had days where we just haven't had the best attitude, right? Let's let's just be honest. We're 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 human and this happens. And sometimes we have a bad attitude for no reason. Have you ever been there? <laughs> it's like you just wake up with a bad attitude. I mean, nothing's really gone wrong. You haven't even made it to work yet. And it's just, you just don't feel right. You don't feel like being in a good attitude. And, and, and you kind of just have that face, which I have at times. Sometimes when I'm at Starbucks studying the Bible, I don't have that face. I have a concentration face that kind of interprets to like mad. I know it's not good. I try to lift my eyebrows a little bit. But, um, but some of us, we carry our emotions just, you know, on the external. And um, just having that, that, that attitude that, that comes through, we just sometimes just don't feel like having a good attitude. And um, we need to work at this. <clears throat> and my voice. I googled bad attitude and got this many results, over 164 million results if you Google that. That's a lot of bad attitudes out there. That's a lot of people, I mean, looking at themselves and I needed help with a bad attitude. And I think some of us need a, to, a harness on our tood, right? We just need a harness and get it under control. But this is really, really difficult for us because we're talking about something that is unseen, right? Some things that are hidden. Because how many of us have put on the smile, put on the face, done the right things, but on the inside have the wrong attitude. We're doing all the good things and everybody sees that your attitude looks good, but on the inside of the heart, it's all wrong. See, God knows. He searches the deep things. He knows only the things that you're dealing with on the inside of the heart. No one else can search except for God. So those things that we have in our life that we hide, God knows they're there. And maybe we know they're there too, but it's just a little bit difficult to want to look at that in our lives. The bad attitude. I was having a bad attitude one time. And this was years ago. And I was having one of those days where, you know, it just, it just wasn't feeling up to it, you know. And, um, you know, when you're not feeling up to it, every little thing just drives you nuts. It's just, it drives you crazy. Um, for example, how many of you, you, you're just in that attitude. You just, you, you just leave me alone. And things kind of pop out at you just a little bit more. Uh, how many of you, if you're in a, one of those attitude, 
moments that need adjustment. You come in and walk into the kitchen, all the cabinet doors are open. How many of you, that would bother you, right? How many of you, the toilet paper roll is on backwards, it's going to drive you nuts, and you're just like, okay, give, I give up, burn the house down. I don't even care anymore. So clutter just kind of drives me nuts. You know, I, I don't like papers stacked and clutter on things that just... In fact, ministry leaders, I have to, I've apologized because I get in the throw-out mode where I just take stuff, chuck it. I mean, get the dumpster here, and I love life by throwing stuff out. That's opposite of my dad. I mean, my dad, I would drive him crazy if I threw stuff out. But uh, anyways, this is kind of where I was. I was frustrated on the inside, and I was having a spout with Katie and saying, Katie, I don't even care. That's just, I'm, I'm going to throw this couch right out that front door. dead serious in my emotions saying things that are just dumb, right? And Katie giggled at me. I couldn't believe she was giggling. You know, that's like the worst thing you can do when somebody's mad, no matter how irrational it is, okay? That's the worst. It just is. I'll just, if you've never been there, I hope you have, but if if you haven't, it's bad. It's terrible. And I knew it was so stupid, and I had to just, like, realize, okay, that's, that's dumb. <laughs> and the human emotions got the, the best of me. And I learned right there, and continuing to learn, right? It just seems to be over and over again. This is just humans, right? How many of you fall in the trap over and over again? You're like, God, what can I get rid of this inside of me? But I say irrational things all the time. And um, I realized... No matter how cluttered life gets, no matter what somebody says, no matter what somebody does, no matter what the circumstances are, you are the one that gets to choose what your attitude is. So every single one of us is 100% in control of your attitude, of our attitude. So you get to choose how you get to respond. You get to choose how you're going to react. You get to choose how you're going to feel. Right? But how many of us actually choose... The right way to respond when things are driving us nuts. And it just gets worse. Because you have these series of things that may be stressful. But we be, our, our attitude begins to deteriorate. And we allow that to happen in our lives. And God warns us. Oh boy, does he warn us about having the correct mindset, the correct heart and emotions in life. Here's an example of what it means to have a bad attitude. And, you know, I would like to say that this is a message for kids. <laughs> but it's not. It seems like adults, we all need this, right? Kind of reality check. Sometimes our kids are, are we see them, just if we take a step back, they're just a little bit more re- mature than we are. And we fall into the trap that we're trying to teach our kids. But here's some examples. <clears throat> we have intimidators. You know, you've been around the person who's always just one tick away from exploding. They're just on that anger. They're just, they're just ready to, to um, fight back and spew out anger on anyone else, using their demeanor, demeanor even sometimes to belittle you. That's, that, that's the intimidators. There's entitlement. It's the, it's the person who voices, I deserve this, or responds or reacts or acts in that way. No lie. A few weeks ago, and I don't know exactly, but we're, we're trying to eat, you know, less fast food. And just, I'm trying to 
minimize my fast food to five days a week instead of seven days a week. And I was doing pretty good. And, you know, hangry is such a real thing, especially for guys, right? I mean, you got to have that sandwich. So I was, it was late. I hadn't had breakfast, hadn't had lunch. I was passing by Burger King. I'm like, hey, I'm going to stop off at Burger King and talk to Katie. And uh, she kind of said, well, I've got, we've got food at home. And, you know, I said, I think I deserve Burger King, right? It's stupid. We just fall into these traps of these emotions. And all of these emotions that I'm responding here is something that's kind of in me and in all of us. At times, we fall into these traps. The negative critics, I'll tell you, one of the things that the, the goals that Katie and I and our family this year is to not fall into the traps of, of, of negative thinking. It's the easiest thing in the world to always just focus on the th- on the negatives or what wrong. But we're we're trying to just look at Okay, what's three things that you're thankful for in this situation, in this area of your life, whatever that is. If someone of us hears a negative thing coming out, say, okay, tell me three positives. Okay, tell me three positives. And we're trying to keep each other on this, uh, protecting our heart, because negativity seems to come out naturally, at least in us. <clears throat> but the negativity always looks for the what went wrong instead of what went right. They know what you should do, but don't do it themselves. Instead, they sit on the sidelines and critique your performance, and nobody likes that. There's the know-it-all. It's the one who assumes that they're all wise and all-knowing, and, and everybody else is stupid. And they're basically the people who are the story toppers. They're, they're that type of personality. Well, I want to I refrain from saying personality because I don't think that's a personality. I think it's an attitude that affects the personality, right? The self-promoter, it's the person who... Make sure you don't miss out on their good behavior or their accomplishments. Right? It's the gossiper. It's the person who loves to share those dirty details without really wanting to give an answer or give a helping hand. And they typically avoid going directly to the person. That's, that's an indication that, that we're, we're sharing too much information if we're not willing to go to that person. And they're not looking for truths or solutions. They're just wanting that juicy juicy story to share. And this happens, unfortunately, in church. I mean, all of these do, but you know, gossip, it's pretty destructive. And we've all fallen into that. And um, we want to make sure that we're not using prayer requests as a form of gossip. The arguer, someone who always has to have the last word. Right? Anybody there? Just, just got to have that last word. It doesn't matter how stupid it is. You, as long as you say the last word. You got the whiner. This is the last one, and it's not exhaustive. Oh, I didn't see that. I saw an elbow fly at someone. <clears throat> the whiner. And um, the whining just drives us crazy. I mean, with kids, you have them in the house, and they whine. They complain about doing dishes or laundry or whatever it is, chores. In fact, I'll tell you, a kid, I told them, this whole summer, you're not going to have any chores. None. And they, their eyes lit up. Oh, yes. I said, nope, you're not having any chores this whole summer. I'm giving you projects. <laughs> it's worked beautifully. <laughs> They're not complaining about their, their projects. Um, it's the same thing. And, and uh, the whiner, we just, you, listen, there's only one option for a whiner. You ready? You're not getting it. That's your only option. If you're if you're whining, you're not getting it. I'm gonna I'm gonna confess this, 
and I'm going to say this, and I probably shouldn't, but this is uh, uh, almost, as a family, as a pastor, whining is not going to get you anywhere. I've learned that what you allow or what you feed will grow. And sometimes we feed whining or complaining to resolve, but in fact, it escalates, right? And if you reward a bad attitude, it will continue to flourish. And this is not just in the church setting or the workplace, but really today is a reflective. It's looking at ourselves because how many of us right now are thinking about other people? It's easy because we can see it. We can see it in other people. We can see it um, outside. But today, if we can just shift our our gears and reverse them this way and so that our mind begins to think about us internally and looking at where we might be, it it is so difficult to look in the mirror. We know we need to look in the mirror. We know we need to look at ourselves. But it's so difficult Because many times we don't recognize it. The reason why we don't recognize it is because we don't stop to think about ourselves. We we typically think about other people's responses, reactions, and things like that. So today, it is about us and identifying them. And I think that we would be shocked to find out of some of these areas that we possess if people were honest enough to share them with us, right? I don't think any of us is bold enough to say, tell me where my weaknesses are that you see in me in the, in, in the list here. But probably we, all of us have something. Here's the good news, you ready? About bad attitudes. This is the good news, and I want us to all have our ears turned on for this because we can't miss this. And it's, the bad attitudes can be changed this fast. That fast. A bad day can be turned into a good day that quickly. Anger can be turned that quickly. Forgiveness can be turned on like this. And the choice is ours, how we're going to live our lives emotionally, correct? And this type of change, there's a requirement. It's required of us to look inward and to not ignore what's there and deeply rooted. So there's two things before we get into our scripture verse today or our passage. There's two things I'm assuming about you today. I know what assuming does and that's a bad quality trait, but I'm assuming something of you today. You ready? Number one, I'm assuming that you know where your attitude is that needs improvement. Deep down inside, there's something there that you know needs improvement. You You just already know that you need to work on this area of your life. So I'm already assuming that all of us have some indication there. The second thing is, is I'm assuming that you want to know how to change. Because if you recognize it, you don't want it to be there. And so you want to know how to change that. That's where we get into God's word and we let God speak into us and change us. Right? Now, if you're not wanting to change, we need to talk about that. That's what we're talking about today. So there's two assumptions. So let's turn to Philippians chapter 2. We're going to start out with verse 1. We've got uh, quite a few um, to go through in this passage. 
but we'll go through this with three points. So you can write this down. It'll be on the back of the screen. This is the NIV version. And this is Philippians chapter 2. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete. I want you to say that. Make my joy complete. You ready? Make my joy complete. That's pretty powerful statement if we think about just that aspect. Then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being, being one in spirit and in mind or purpose, depending on your translation that you're reading from. Understand that your attitude is more than just what you say or do, but it's what you feel. Brake check. Right? Putting the brakes on, checking our seatbelt, making sure our emotional harness is strapped up so we don't cause damage in our lives and other people's lives. Number one, in this we see that we work towards unity. The outcome of any relationship that you have, any confrontation, any, any disagreement, is there a spirit of unity or a spirit of division settled inside your mind or settled, settled inside your heart? Where is your heart if it's for the greater outcome to be unified with the same purpose, with the same goal, with the same mindset, with the same spirit, with love and fellowship and tenderness and compassion? That's unity spelled out. And if that's your mindset in the relationships around you, then you know that you have trying to find common ground. And let me tell you that any time that there's confrontation that you get to witness on the outside. Now, as a pastor, I do a lot of counseling. And I can typically see, in fact, most every time I will see who has the correct perspective and who doesn't. And it's usually a person who is ready to, do, to um, bring a unity who may not understand the other person's point, but is trying to find out the other person's point. And then somebody on the other side who wants their point to be made known. It's just the way that it works. And so resolving conflict, you can see who has the right perspective just by wanting to unite. And it reveals an attitude. Questions for us. There's going to be a lot of questions for you to answer for yourself. Do you or do your words bring unity? Or are they bringing division? Are my actions or my words and actions producing a spirit of unity? Your actions and your words producing a spirit of unity. Am I building others up or am I destroying them in my mind? Listen, sometimes this happens. Is that somebody will be destroyed in your mind before you even encounter them. Before you even have a conversation they can be destroyed. The outcome will already be played out in your mind. The, the situation, the person, will already be made out. Their personality is already made out before you have a conflict. We're talking about conflict resolution here. Are we being destructive? When we don't handle our attitudes biblically, it's more than just being hurtful to our relationships with others and ourselves we don't feel good, it is hurting your relationship with God. There's no question about this. 
you know this, you've experienced this, and you know what it's like when you have hard relationships, it's hard to have a, a, a loving relationship with God, right? Because the attitudes and the emotions are in conflict with the attitudes and emotions and character of God. Because any emotion that is rooted in anger, hatred, resentment, or animosity is opposite of God's standard for your life. This is the way it is. And so there will be an uneasiness, there will be an unsettling inside of our spirit when there is that conflict, and you know that that's there. And it's almost like this barricade of a relationship with God that will not go away unless, what? We deal with it. Hard to do. Let me tell you why. Because I will tell you, there are people in here who are right in their assumptions of being wronged. The other person's attitude was wrong. You have been wronged. You're, you, you were innocent. All of this is right. You have been attacked. You've been um, persecuted. Um, you've been, um, um, there's things said about you that, that isn't right. And I'll tell you, you're right. But that doesn't give you the right or that doesn't justify you to have incorrect or non-biblical emotions, right? Because we justify how we respond to someone, and I'll say this, sinfully missing the mark, not in a biblical way, not in God's character or nature, because we are justified in what we feel or how we have been treated. And so we say, this is what happens, so I feel like this is an re- appropriate response. But God does not say anywhere in his word that you are to prove to everyone else that you're right. You don't see that. It's just not there, although I wish I could say it was there just to help you out. But that does that's not going to help you out. So even if these emotions are masked, and that's exactly what it is, it's masked by justification. Because on the outside, everybody at your workplace, friends, maybe family, and are going to tell you you're justified for feeling that way. But it's destructive because that's not what God is calling us to do. And we are talking about feelings here. Right? This is not surface stuff. This is deep stuff. And we need to deal with the deep stuff that we can hide very easily in looking inside and saying, okay, I am, I've been mistreated. Okay, I will give that to you. But there is a response that is a responsibility that is greater than you. You do not have the ability, may not have the ability to respond in a godly way, right? Responding in forgiveness, responding in gentleness, responding in patience, because those are the fruit of the spirit that operates in you in the specific area where you feel justified to not respond in that way to that person. Right. So that's the area where we need God to come in and we say, God, I need you to produce some patience in my life. And maybe that's a family member. Maybe there's forgiveness that you need to ask, or you need to just give forgiveness without being asked for forgiveness first. Why? 
so that your heart is ready to receive the full forgiveness of God. Just you, 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 If you receive the forgiveness of God, we are going to need to express that forgiveness to others. And it's a spiritual thing. And let me just say, one of the greatest areas where you're going to be under attack spiritually is through your human emotions. Because the human emotions will get in front and be, battle out the spiritual emotions. The spiritual heart, right? Because it's contrary. So this is us. This is you. This is where we need to direct our prayers. And this battle is only one. Not on the outside, right? Not pretending with words, right? And feeling something different or actions. Although it may start there, right? We just begin to pray. Say, God, give this to me. That's why God says, I want you to pray for your enemies, your enemy is anyone that you really just have a hard time um, with forgiveness for. And many of us have them. This leads me to the second point. And the first one was seeking unity. Leads right into what are our d- defenses. Examine where your defenses are. This is the best way to evaluate and say, where am I putting up walls? Where am I setting up things so that I don't get hurt? Where am I harboring feelings for myself? Here's the reason why we get defensive, right? Because somebody attacks your character, attacks you as a person, attacks your uh, um, um, motives, attacks you as a person. And all of a sudden, walls come up, and we begin to spew back. We begin to push back. We begin to do this, and we begin to defend ourselves. God never says, I want you to defend yourself in this way. God will defend you. God will be your voice. Now, I'm not saying that you are to just lay back and let them walk all over you, right? And we're going to deal with this a little bit. So just hang with me for a minute. Examining our defenses will examine our heart where pride is rearing its head. Because... Where those walls are built is really protecting our pride. When you're under attack and these things happen to you, the first thing, the response that comes, the reason why we're setting up walls is because there's an an element of embarrassment. And embarrassment comes is because your pride has been knocked back just a little bit. And so you you want to build up your honor and say who you are, defend who you are, and, and prove that the other person's wrong and not you. It doesn't mean... That we are to justify our responses. And pride really is, I mean, it's just the, the, the basis of, well, the original sin, right? So things just stem from pride. And this is hard because pride is so hard to get past. Because if you see a prideful person... They don't know it, right? So it's looking on the inside. Verse 3, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Selfish ambition doesn't always mean trying to get ahead. But it does mean acting or reacting to benefit or to promote you. Acting or uh, reacting to benefit or promote you. And that's where we need to reflect and ask, is my pride hurt in any area of your life where there may be confrontation, there may be unforgiveness, there may be hurt, there may be pain or strain. 
ask this question in looking at what that means. Are you trying to benefit? Are you trying to, to make yourself look better? So ask these questions. Is my pride hurt? Am I angry because of how the other person is making me look? They might be making you look bad. What are you going to do? Am I reacting in a way that pleases God or myself? Does the thought of unity bother me? You ever been there? It's like, I don't even want to be friends with that person. It just bothers us. The greatest change comes when we challenge ourselves to just look inside. Continuing on, but in humility, consider others better than yourself. This is the third point. Regard others as more important than yourself. Regard others as more important than yourself. This is how we, be, we begin to know that pride is being out of our lives, pushing that out of our, our lives. If we consider the other person's point of view more important than ours, this does not mean that you are to pursue a low self-esteem. I want you to hear me on this. Because a lot of times Christians get that mixed up where we're supposed to be humble in spirit means that we're supposed to be trampled on. You're supposed to turn the other cheek is mean that, 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 that you are just a doormat and people get to take advantage of you. That's totally incorrect. And it's not biblical because that's not strong. That's not courageous. So what this means, though, is that you aren't just focused on what you, uh, what your thoughts are or what you have to say. Instead, it's focused on what others need. So it turns from what are, how can they serve you or how can I serve myself, rather, and turn this around and say, how can I serve what they need? Because obviously they're not in a good place, emotionally, mentally, spiritually. How can I serve them by the attitude that I possess? And the attitude that I choose to give to others and not just the attitude that I choose to live by myself, right? This means that we are giving to others. Question, do I make people feel better when I'm around them? Do you have somebody in your life that they just make you feel better because they're around you? I love having people like that. And so many of us are encouraged by you. Or do I make myself feel better? These are reflective questions and I need you to ponder these because this changes us. Paul goes on to say, verse 4, each of you should not only look to your own interests, also to the interest of others. Your attitude should be the same that of Christ Jesus. Oh my goodness, is this mind-blowing? You mean you want me to have the attitude of Jesus? That's just, I mean, that shouts kind of impossible. I'll tell you, it is on your own. But that you don't, there's somebody here to help you, right? We all need that help. Same as Christ Jesus, who, being in the very nature of God, did not consider Equality with God, something to be grasped, right? But made himself nothing so that we could grasp who God really is and see the example of Jesus and what he came to do and how much God loves us. So made himself nothing, took on human form. How many of we're, we're human? Boy, we are weak, okay? Took on human 
uh, form, made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. Do you want to have a better attitude, question mark, and I think all of us do, then we need to look at how our attitude can serve like Christ served. Christ's attitude was all about serving, and he modeled serving for his disciples. He had his disciples model serving for the community, and serving is a spiritual act because it, it, it takes out the pride element of serving ourselves. And even just the physical act will change the internal. You know, sometimes we have to be motivated, but that's not why we do it. We do it because there's something inside of us that we see needs changing, and that's inside, and God is doing a work inside of us. I want us to hear something wrapping up here. I want you to know that every single one of us have a very profound choice every single day, and I believe in this because I am struggling with this in myself every day. As a human, I have human emotions, and I know that pastors shouldn't have human emotions. But there's a stop and start process every single day. And that stop and start process is really just the description of decision making. And I believe in making decisions or else I wouldn't be up here preaching about making a decision for Christ. But how many of you know that making a decision for Christ isn't a one-time decision? Making a decision for Christ is every single day. And God is going to challenge you to make a decision in the small areas of our life. And just like making a decision at the altar or at the side of your bed or with a partner or friend, he's making a decision of how we choose our attitude. <clears throat> the stop-start process, stop complaining and start thinking. I'm just hitting it straight. Stop complaining, start, th- start thinking. Stop dying as the victim. There's problems, there's hurts, there's pains. It's a reality that's in your past. Stop carrying it to the future. It's too much baggage. You will never progress in your relationship with God. You will never have the attitude that you want when you're just carrying around the pain and the hurt. All that's doing is just creating more of that justification for unforgiveness. And the unforgiveness that you have will hinder the reality of the forgiveness that you have in God because you start basing your forgiveness and the capability of that of God because you don't feel like you're capable of forgiving others. Stop dwelling on the hurt and and start living in the forgiveness. Stop complaining. There's no accident that you use complaining twice. Stop complaining and start pursuing joy. Are you missing out on joy in life? Let's think about what we are talking about and what our words are saying because a lot of times our words are a reflection of our heart. There's a joy of the Spirit. All we have to do is allow that to come in and recognize that and see that it's there and voice it when it's there. Stop holding on to anger and start choosing kindness. Kindness is a choice. Gentleness is a choice. Patience is a choice. Love It's a choice, right? You can choose to be loving or not. God has given you a choice. He's given you that freedom. We sing that song about freedom. And many times we say, God, I want you to do this for me. And he's saying, I have done it for you. I just need you to choose it. 14. I want us to stand together as I read this. 
I believe this is the, this sums up and gives us encouragement in these passages. And God is not just leaving you with this, hey, deal with this. You got to deal with it. But it gives you something beautiful to hold on to. And I want you to know that he sees you as beautiful. <clears throat> Do everything without grumbling or complaining, depending on your translation. Do everything without complaining or arguing. So that you may become blameless and pure Children of God without fault in a crooked, depraved, depraved generation. Do you know what that is? That's here. That's culture, society. Everybody else is telling you how you should feel, what you're justified for. <laughs> you're different. In which you shine like the stars in the universe. As you hold out the word of life. You're different. the spirit of god that's inside you it's not you that makes you different it's the spirit of god that's in you it's the holy spirit's work in you that changes the attitude the attitude adjustment that's not what you're doing it's what you're choosing to allow god to do in you (coughs) i'm not naturally kind i'm not naturally patient (laughs) i'm not naturally generous but god is working on me in all of these areas i'm not naturally forgiving I need God's strength every day, and I need this to be a prayer for me. And when our attitude is lined up, when God changes us, it's worth it to pursue this. It's a pursuit of a choice in your life because it will rebuild your life. It will reconstruct you. It will change your relationships. It will change you from the inside out. It will change your life. It will God's already done the changing. Allow yourself to follow that, even though it may be contrary to what your human nature is telling you. And when you do, you will shine bright, and glory of God will shine through you, and people will stand at amazement and wonder and be drawn to your presence, just like at the night when we're drawn to the beauty of the stars. That's what you will be doing into a dark community. They will see a brilliance inside of you that is different. And that difference is not you. It is God's spirit inside of you. 100% your attitude does two things. Number one, it either discredits your testimony of God. Or it builds and brings glory to him. It's your choice. Let's, let's pray. As your heads are bowed, your eyes are closed, I want us to just, you know, I'm not even going to ask for a raise of hand because I just know we're here. We're going to pray together this week. We're going to choose a different attitude. We're going to choose to hear from God and to change and to be a greater influence into every single area of our life. So I'm going to pray for us together. God, you see our hearts. You know what needs to be changed. Reveal to us the areas, the black areas that we are hiding from ourselves. Open us up to see what is hidden. Lord, your word is convicting, and it does penetrate to the soul. 
We've heard your words, Lord Jesus, and we see your example. Help us to serve not only you, but others by choosing every day to express gratitude to you and choosing to follow your spirit and choosing to let that flow out of us. Help us to not get in the way of the work that you're doing inside of us and help us to shine bright just like the stars. You've created created us beautifully. Lord, we want to respond and react beautifully. We can't do this on our own and we need your grace. We need your forgiveness up front. We thank you for providing that. We need your words to speak through us when we don't have the words. You will give it. We're operating in faith and we're operating in your promises. And we look forward to what you are doing in us and through us. In Jesus' name, we say together, amen. Amen. God bless you. You are dismissed. Please come to the baptism at 1.30. That's an hour and a half. You can go grab lunch. Come up to Menaway if you need directions. Come talk to me. 1.30 will be there. It's going to be a fantastic time.